Izzo in that timeout. Zion to Barrett for the lead back. Short off the floor with it. Chase down. What a call this is going to be. The other way. Michigan State has it. You got to squeeze Williamson if you're Michigan State. And watch for his foot speed, too. First one, no. Michigan State, you got to think of that UCF game. Block out. Second one, he tries to miss it. But it drops after the high bounce. Got to give it. Tillman, up ahead, Winston. No one near him. And he's going to come out with it. And Michigan State is headed to Minneapolis. And Michigan State, like he said, headed to Minneapolis. Welcome to the show. It is Views from the Sideline, April 2nd, 2019. And that is not a bad April Fool's joke. Michigan State is in the Final Four. What's up, guys? Thank God. Duke is gone. <laughs> they survived one too many times. One too many times. Exactly. The third time was a charm. What did you see from that game, Malik? Instant reaction. Honestly, I only saw like the last three minutes of the game because I was at wow. work. I was at work for wow. the entire game. So yeah, man. I saw the last few minutes. It was when it went. I got an alert when it went to halftime, and it was thirty to twenty-one. And at that point, I assumed like, all right. It seemed in my head. I thought, I'm assuming Duke is physically just handling them right now. RJ and Zion are starting to have their way. They're gonna somewhat coast through the second half and kind of put a chokehold on Michigan State. But after Mike Krzyzewski, Tom Mizzou might be the second best coach in college basketball. And he showed that. I mean, he's been getting rave reviews about his coaching performance in that game and how people think at this point he may be the best coach in college basketball. So, And that right there, to me, is an example of overreaction. He wins a big game, finally gets yeah. over Coach K, and then everybody's like, "Oh, he's the best! He's the best coach in yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> in the game." God, let's 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 stop the overreaction Monday. I don't think I've seen this many rave reviews from a coaching That's, performance in a very long time. Don't get me wrong; time. it was a great coaching performance. It was, it was a great win. But well, Tom Izzo is a great coach. It's Tom Izzo is a great coach. It should be expected. Exactly. To say yeah. he's the best coach in the country, let's yeah. take a let's take a back. People, seat here. people react to like. Out. The, like it was a, it was a surprise. Exactly, he caught so many good. State plays. has been playing great basketball since end of January, early February. This is his type of team. This is everybody's talked about how this is his type. Like you said, this type of team. They have a chip on their shoulders. They had Michigan's number all throughout the year. They might be, they should be credited with Michigan's demise, in my opinion. I think they kind of shook them a little bit. I know you might disagree, but that's uh, true. I think, I think they, I think they shook their if you, confidence. If you, hand, if you handle your rival for an entire season. Game in, game out, and then you take a game away from them that they probably should have won. They yeah, that that shakes their psyche. Yeah. definitely. Uh, we'll get into this more too. Is we're going to talk about the NCAA tournament at the end of the sh- not at the end, but second half of the show. But I want Joe your first just instant reaction to the game. We'll talk about this more, but just quick, quick reaction, quick hot take slash yeah. unpopular opinion. Uh, Tom Izzo is still questionably the best coach in the state of Michigan. Uh, that's still up in the air. Yeah. Um, just to you know, simmer, I think I think simmer I, people down a little at this bit. point after this game because people are people are on such a Izzo high, right? I, I think know. it's a no doubt right now. But 
Last year when Beeline made it to the national championship, it was a no doubt for people that Beeline right. was the best. That's yeah. why I say it's it, always top of mind. The fact exactly. that the fact that the two coaches at that grade of a level are in the same state is people should just be happy that right. Yeah, we get to witness this for a long time. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I enjoy it. Um, but about the game, <laughs> Michigan State did what they needed to do. Cash has stayed calm, cool, and collected like he always has all Foster season. Lawyer stayed on the bench. That's exactly right. <laughs> he played his role. Uh, Kenny Goings finally hit some threes, and. They forced a bunch of turnovers. They won the turnover match. Uh, I think Duke had 17 turnovers to Michigan's, Michigan State's seven. And they just played tough. They they tried to stop Zion as much as you can. Obviously, he's going to get his. It's kind of what we talked about. You, you let him do what he's going to do, but you don't let make it easy. And I feel like that's what they did. They got him in foul trouble at times. And after he got his third foul, there was a while where Zion was scared to go up and try to make any play at the ball because... He didn't want to get that fourth foul because he knows uh, he's an important piece to that team. But and I think that's maybe what Iso and the Spartans wanted to do. Get yeah. him to question himself going and, to the basket. And now. they definitely got in his head. Zion uh, struggled a little bit at times. But the bigger picture, I think, is that I think Coach K really screwed it up. And I know like he can't control this part of the game entirely, but I think he should have gotten it in his guys' heads. Zion didn't touch the ball the last two minutes of the game. He didn't shoot the ball the last six minutes of the game. Number one, undoubtedly unanimous, number one overall NBA draft pick, doesn't have the ball in his hands in the last two minutes. That's a problem. Well, I think, yeah, it's Coach K's issue too, but I think it showed a lot that R.J. Barrett wants to be that guy. Right. R.J. Barrett doesn't care about the Zion hype. He still thinks he's the better player, and it's kind of like, I'm, I know this is very this is a very big reach that I'm about to make, but I just wanted to try to make the comparison. If you play junior college, it's every man for themselves. It kind of seemed like RJ wanted to be the guy to build his hype a little bit, kind of like people in JUCO do. I felt like they were still playing high school, where they thought that you know they were super dominant, they can take over a game at any point uh, for their team and just win the game by themselves. And that's what RJ seemed to be doing. And you know, he's not in high school anymore. He's obviously a very good player still, but it's a lot harder to do on the next level. And I think, I don't know if it got into his head. And, I mean, Zion's obviously not going to say anything because those guys are really good friends, and uh, they've kind of been buddy-buddy all season. But, you know, that's that's what happens when you have a young team like that. So I also heard Nick Ward didn't play a lot, which is a good thing. <laughs> if you play, he, if you get all, if you get all of, I believe he finished the game, though. I will say that he he played efficient minutes. I I don't know exactly. I do think he sat a little bit more than normal um, because Xavier Tillman just is such a good matchup against Duke. From this point on, it's Xavier Tillman starting. But You you play Nick Ward in certain spots where you need that offense, but Xavier controls the floor when he's on the – when he's out there, his IQ seems to be so far ahead of the other fives he goes against. He plays smart defense. He rebounds hard. He doesn't foul a lot. He's he's just a smart guy that plays really good basketball. He's he's going to be a pro in a few years. There's so many Maybe times for next year. There's so many times that Xavier Tillman will go up and get a rebound, and I'm like, who is boxing this guy out? How is <laughs> you, you how is he can. always getting these rebounds? And it seems like nobody's boxing him out, but he's just smart. He knows how to get get around guys, and he knows where the ball is going to yeah. bounce off the rim. That's a good. That's a sign of a good rebounder. He's 6'10", 255, 260, and very quick. So and even he, if you don't put your full effort and 
mind into boxing him out the right way, there, there's no way you're going to get a rebound over him. And the most important thing is, and it's another key to an Izzo team, he knows his role. He loves going and getting rebounds. He loves just playing defense, and he just loves being that gritty guy for that team, and he knows that it's his role, and the team needs him to do that, and he's accepted that, and that's why he's so integral to their team. And it's not even just Nick Ward. Everybody knows their role on this team, and everybody plays it efficiently, and everybody plays to help their fellow teammate. And that's what is such a wit. That's why I think at Michigan State is a favorite to win the championship. They honestly, they should be. They're they're that good of a team, and I I also think that's the reason why when it comes to Je- Tom Izzo has a stigma now that he can't really coach superstars, and I think that's partly the truth because. But I think it's partly you have to have the right star. Exactly, but he certain coaches the John Calipari's now Coach K, which that didn't used to be his philosophy, but now it is. Bring in the five stars and let them let their talent do the talking. I mean, when they get paid so much money to bring them in, I mean. Exactly. I also feel like it's hard for for stars to be coached. Yeah, what like we've seen it at Duke, like it. Especially when it you hasn't have, always worked. Especially at Duke. when you have a certain type of system like Tom Izzo. If those guys don't fit certain roles, like he never really found out what to do with Miles Bridges. Jaron Jackson was so big of a problem that he did what he did. Like certain guys fit certain roles in his system. If you're just a superstar, that superstars and doesn't have a specific role you you have a problem in his system and that's kind of been his thing but yeah with teams like this he there's no problems he he does what he needs to right, do you even take the kentucky it. team a couple years back the carl anthony towns team they go undefeated the whole season everybody's like oh they could beat the what was it the sixers at the time that were yeah. really bad yeah like, oh they could beat the sixers in the nba which Cal- they, calipari does deserve credit because he's the one coach that puts fi- all five stars into a system and makes them play the way he wants them to play. Right, but even that, they it doesn't always work exactly. out. Exactly. And we'll we'll talk more about that at the end of the show. We had to talk about them a little bit because that's the story in Detroit right now. We didn't think that. I I, I want to say we didn't expect MSU to go this far at all from the start of the season. But our bracket did. Well, yeah, our bracket did. We did a good job with that. We had been the not champion. not the national champion though. We didn't we didn't do such bad. Yeah, we had North Carolina, but. We'll get to it later. Yeah, exactly. Um, Lions made a little bit of news. Signed running back C.J. Anderson. Uh, Adam Schefter was first to break the news. Uh, He joins Kerryon Johnson and Zach Zenner in the backfield. Uh, First impressions. Joe, what's your first impression with the signing? First of all, I'm glad you included Zach Zenner in there. I was about to say, (laughs) I know that just made you so happy. He's a situational guy, but he's my guy. Those those five carries a season matter. Exactly. You don't know. Hey, he's efficient when he gets the ball. (laughs) Uh, he actually is. <laughs> it's another great signing for the Lions. I, man, you guys are getting me hyped up again. I hate it. Yeah, I'm hey, really Joe, trying you know to hold what, Joe, off. It's the off- I will not get hyped for the Joe, Lions. It's the offseason. I know, but they've made yeah, a, until I see them. They've made really good moves. Right, yeah. that's what I'm saying. They've made they've made a lot of good moves. They're the Detroit Patriots uh, now. He's actually a lot yeah. older than I thought, or a lot younger than I thought. I thought he was like in his 30s or maybe 30, 31, on the back end of career of his career. But he's still 28. Well, and we talked about this in our pre-show meeting. Dude's got to lose some weight. He's had the weight, and he's done well, but it is concerning as he gets older That's to hold that weight. At this age and the fact that he came into the Rams organization in the last few games of the season, so he didn't have to get into the best shape of his life. Right. They just, we haven't just, seen a full yeah, season. He just worth. needed to be the power back they needed. To come in as the second, maybe first back to start the season, depending on how much they – 
they're going to carry on Johnson is probably going to be the first back. So as the second guy, they're going to depend on you on third downs. They're going to depend on you a lot, especially if carry on Johnson gets hurt. So I was going to say, I think this puts a good leash on carry on Johnson to yeah. maybe push himself too, knowing that CJ Anderson is a, a veteran guy. He's, he's had times where he's like taken a lot of the workload and I just think it's another good signing by the Lions. I, again, I'm going to try to hold off the excitement, but you know, I, I like where they're going. What? Let's get into that excitement real quick, Joe. What's your expectation? I don't think, I don't well, think either of us said we're excited what, yet. What's your expectations for Anderson this coming year? Where, what role does he play? Do you see him with the possibility of expanding his role throughout the year? That all depends. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with Malik. It, it's kind of, he'll be a third down kind of guy, maybe a goal line situations. And it it's kind of depends on where Carrion develops and what his health looks like. It's just a, a, a nice piece to have as a backup. But I, I don't know how much, hopefully they try to use him a lot and, you know, kind of give a different change of pace in their offense and it'll give them different looks. Uh, they can maybe shake up their offense a little bit so they're not as predictable as they were last year. So hopefully they use them a good amount. I think it depends on how seriously C.J. Anderson takes this because there are a lot of backs in the past few years that thought their weight doesn't matter. They still have the talent. Just put me in and I'll make plays. It doesn't work like that. C.J. Anderson, you're 28. We saw you can still make plays. But right now, if you get into the best shape of your life, and you come into the Lions and you show out, that that will show. That will help this team win, and it'll make on Johnson look better because then you can take pressure off of him when he's tired, bring in C.J. Anderson. They can be like a thunder and lightning type of combo. The Lions and the Lions fans would love to finally have a running back, and if they could have two of them, it'd be great. It all starts with the most important thing in football, in my opinion, the offensive line which the Lions have not had a good offensive line since ever. I mean, it's been so long. I mean, they were they good are, enough for carry on Johnson. To break say, out they last they season. are improving slightly. They, do, I, they, I, need, more they Staff, need more pieces. How much time did Stafford have in the pocket on average? Not much. Not a lot. <laughs> but they are improving in certain aspects. They, I understand they're improving in certain aspects. They are trying their best. I can acknowledge that. They're bringing in players to try to solidify that offensive line. For some reason, they can't stay healthy. Every year. Yep. They make, oh, we, our offensive line is ready to go. We sign him, him, and him. They're going to solidify this offensive line. Finally, Stafford's going to have time to make his throws, not have to be rushing the pocket. That's going to solve all these offensive problems. They're going to be able to have a running game because the offensive line can hold itself. And every year, three weeks into the year, we talk about how this is one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. Can't necessarily argue with you on that one. It's kind of like the Tigers, Tigers closing situation when they were going through their heyday. Yeah, it's it's not like the Lions haven't tried though. No, no, they've they've, said, they've gone out and signed the somewhat big free agents yeah, that have come from playing really good. You you sign, I mean, you get first round offensive line talent, and they end up being duds. So I mean, whether it's whether it's a bad scouting thing, whether it's a coaching thing. It's yeah, it's it's a combination of things that haven't really come together. And a combination, it's the Lions. You know what? I'm gonna say it's, it's, the it's a combination of bad voodoo too. Just like the, <laughs> just like the, I mean, the closers for the Tigers. You that you bring in so many. You Joe Nathan. No one thought he was gonna fall off a cliff like he did. Yeah. You thought he was gonna fall <laughs> off a cliff and be Maybe that not bad. Like that, but he was to an horrendous, Joe. 
Well, yeah. Being one of the best closers in the MLB to being absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Uh, it's just one of those. Detroit when it hits you, it hits you. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. But that's also because they Especially never worked on their setup guys. So. Let's talk about some baseball. Tiger or Lions made a little move with CJ Anderson, but the Tigers started their season over the weekend, over the past week. They're two and three right now, fourth in the AL Central. Of course, it's so early on, 162 games in a year. You cannot be looking at the standings, but I'm, I will say I was looking when they were up in the first place in the AL Central after game one because that's probably the only time they're ever going to be there. They uh they played I they had they won their first game against the Blue Jays 2-0, then don't put up any runs the following two games. Didn't Miguel Cabrera get hurt? Uh, yeah, they, they were concerned that he might have fractured his hand, but yeah. those came back that he doesn't have okay. a fractured hand, so we're okay. <laughs> uh, and they lost their first game to the Yankees 3-1 to yesterday. They play again today. Joe, expectations for this year for our beloved Tigers, even though we understand it's all talked about that this, again, probably another rebuilding year. We're not expecting much, probably 65 to 75, if you're lucky, 80 wins. I was going to say expectations and hopes don't lose 100 games. Yeah. That's always a key when you're a rebuild franchise. Just don't lose 100 games. But you don't you want to get that number one pick, though? I mean, it'd be okay, but... I mean, I mean, baseball's not as important. Right. Baseball, it's kind of hard. You got you got so many prospects, so many guys out there, so yeah. many people in the farm systems. Yep. It, it's a complicated process. Right. And the Tigers already have a lot of good farm guys right now. Their, their farm system is built up pretty well right now. And it's going to, it all depends on how they develop. And that's, that's like one of the hardest things about baseball. I think um, my biggest concern is going to be exactly what, They've had problems already with that we've seen. Their offense is going to be difficult to get runs. People are going to have to figure out how to get going because uh, Nick Cassianos and Miguel Cabrera are the only veteran guys that have produced. I think uh, the the Tigers are in a they're in a dark spot right now, kind of. I I think this might take a while for them to get back on track. We haven't really been positive since the prince fielder justin verlander still here those days so going back to you know the tigers before they got verlander and had this crazy upward exactly in the bullpen was crazy yeah but getting back to the 90s i will say it was so entertaining to see jordan zimmerman first game out throw a perfect game through six they didn't he didn't get the perfect game didn't get the no hitter but he brought the juice. A lot of people have been kind of dogging on Jordan Zimmerman heading into the year, talking about how he wasn't worth the money and all that business. But he showed out his first start. What was your what, what did you see from that one? Yeah, he looked good. Obviously, again, it's the first game, but to get an opening day like that, yeah, uh, is really nice. Um, so it's a positive. Um, but obviously, with uh, Michael Fulmer undergoing. Tommy John surgery, that's that's a big hit to the starting rotation. Um, a lot of people questioned why the Tigers didn't try to trade him. There was a lot of good offers out on the table, and they decided not to, and now they're kind of paying for it. Um, so the Tigers' rotation is kind of in shambles a little bit. It's not the... Uh, what do you think about... There's a lot of hype about Daniel Nor- Norris. Yeah, I, I still like the guy. I still think he I, can I think be he's productive. a solid. he's a solid setup guy. He's 
great out of the bullpen. Um, I know they started him a few games, I think, He's last still year. listed as a starting pitcher. So he's still starting some games this year. Uh, shows how much baseball I've watched in the past couple of years. Um, <laughs> but I, I think he's a good pitcher. I, I honestly like him in the bullpen because uh, I think Tiger's bullpen is still a mess, and it will be for a while. But, you know, I, we'll I've, see where it goes, honestly. Yeah. It, it's kind of a toss-up for this team. Any Any little bit of joy will be great. Some, some and there's going to be some good moments. Like Opening day is, is Thursday, so that's always a yeah. good time, no matter what. And I believe they open up against uh, Kansas City, I believe. And then they uh, they also play the Cleveland Indians right after that, after this Yankees series. Uh, a player that I'm looking forward to, that I really think is sitting in his prime now, Nick Cassianos. I think he can take a jump this year. We'll see. He had a good jump last year. Yeah. So. I want I want to see that another big jump. That's really... I think he's a prime candidate to be traded. Unfortunately, yes, and it's probably going to turn into a JD Martinez. Syndrome. And it just because, yeah, just because the the timeline of this team and how they want to build it, that's why I think he's a prime candidate to be traded. Plus, he's one of the few players that probably garners a lot of trade interest. So, uh, I could definitely see a team like the Indians later on in the year, and they're more than likely going to be one of the top two teams in the AL Central, making a push for them. Uh, Red Sox, Yankees are always trying to buy because. The Tigers are one of those teams similar to what we've seen with like sometimes the Lions and the Pistons where you trade away a guy and he goes crazy. I mean, Justin Verlander gave us a lot of good years, but as soon as we trade him, he's back on MVP caliber season. Max Scherzer on MVP caliber. Well, I'm not, I I take Verlander out of that debate because right, he, gave, he, gave, he gave this franchise so but much. But I guess in the bigger picture, JD Martinez, like I brought up. Yeah. He I was just that. getting to his spot, yeah. and the Tigers decided, you know, we're going full rebuild, and we're getting rid of him, and he just has a crazy season yep. in Boston. Anybody, but, you know, that's what you live with. Yeah, anybody in particular, Malik, that you're looking forward to watching this year? Uh, this Phillies situation is going to be hilarious to watch. because think? I mean, I think Bryce, Bryce's I think, boot is first at bat. Exactly. But then boot, it's a solo home run, he, and everybody's yeah, and Everybody goes crazy. But, Philadelphia is just a ridiculous. I was just gonna say, but that's Philadelphia, but, and everybody yeah, knows that's how watch, Philly is. Watching the ups and downs of that is gonna be hilarious. I want to see how the Angels do this year because Trout is gonna continue to be one of the greatest of the generation. But will that team improve? And the contract that he got—he just had a one-up Bryce Harper. Exactly. And this this trend of really good players going to bad teams and just riding it out with good money—I wonder how this is gonna change baseball <clears throat> because. It seems like this is going to be a thing for I don't maybe for the rest of our lives as they keep they're going to keep throwing crazier and crazier contracts and higher amounts of money at these players and these guys they're just going to go to bad teams and go let's see what happens I'm going to make all this money maybe we'll be good one day that's that's not really good for baseball yeah I I can see that definitely uh before we move on from baseball who's your favorite to come out of the AL Central we don't have to go through everybody because I don't think we all have too big of an opinion on it. But AL Central, who's picking the Tigers? No. <laughs> no. No. Who you got? Uh, Kansas City, Minnesota? Tigers might be the bottom of the Central. I think it's going to be Tigers and White Sox at the bottom, honestly. Um, I mean, the favorites usually, obviously, the Indians at this point. They're What about the Twins? Mm, I just don't see. Like, the Indians' rotation is just so good it is one of the best rotations in all of baseball plus they have one of the best skippers in the mlb too and they have some of the best uh young players coming up here um i just don't know how you beat the indians at this point to be honest 
And there's not much firepower in the AL Central. Right. I think we're all in unison here. Indians more than likely coming out of the AL Central, unfortunately. Um, anything else you guys want to touch on before we move on from, uh, from baseball? Uh, Phillies are the only undefeated team left in the MLB at 3-0. and But Seattle Mariners have looked the most impressive with a 6-1 and mark. With my favorite player, D. Gordon. D. Gordon. While the Tigers are in a dark spot, it's been proven and it's been shown in baseball over the years. If you have a good plan, it only takes, what, three or four years for you, for you to really turn something around. And, and also, the Marlins won a World Series in the 90s, fell apart, won, a mil- won another World Series in the middle of falling apart, and then fell apart again. So Tigers made the World <laughs> Series when they were not supposed to. Exactly. Crazy, crazy things happen in baseball. This may be the one sport where anything can happen almost any year. One team can just rise up out of nowhere. If you have the right pieces at the right time, it can happen. So, right. yeah. yeah. There can be reasons it. to be positive. Tigers made the World Series in 2006. Yeah. And um, they had a team nobody expected to make to the World Series. The then, famous Maglia Ordonez homer. Exactly. Then the following couple of years, Tigers go all out. And they just they spend, spend, teams. spend. And they had great teams. Couldn't finish it. Couldn't though. do anything. Yeah. So They got so close, but. That's the game of baseball. Yeah. Um, Let's transition to what is the, the sport. During this time of year, that basketball. The Pistons, 39-38, coming off a big loss at Indiana. They had no Blake Griffin, no Luke Kennard. They lose 111-102. Before that, they pulled off two big wins against Orlando, who was essentially tied with them in the seventh spot. Just won that game in a landslide. Everyone looked fantastic. They play Portland. They start off the game 0-13 from the floor, score 11 points in the first half. It they, The halftime score, I believe, was like 34-31 to 31 or something like yeah, that. The, I feel like the Blazers need to be ashamed for losing that game. They Pistons handed them the game. It was bad. Don't get me wrong. Detroit played some solid defense. Right. But I mean, they you missed give a credit lot to of them, shots. But, geez, OP. That's a mixture of both. Yeah. Uh, they held the Trail Blazers to 90 points. Somehow they got to 90 points. I don't understand that. Pistons scored somehow 99 without Blake Griffin. Um. So those are two big wins. They have five games remaining. The loss to Indiana was pro- was was pretty big. They could have gained makes some- it a little harder. Yeah, they could have gained a lot of ground. Uh, they currently, I believe, let's look at the standings real quick. They're a game and a half ahead of ninth, and a half game above Brooklyn for seven. I believe so, yeah. And I think a full game above Miami. Yeah. Uh, so what's your take on this, Joe? What do you? Expect, I expect in the final five games. I expect them to make the playoffs at this point. You expect it's, them to stay. It's still scary, but I think it's very, very, very likely that they're going to make it. Uh, they got five games remaining. They have to win two. And that's it? I believe so. If, if my math could be wrong. Saying that makes it sound even worse. <laughs> just, they have to. They have five games. Just win two. I know. That, that that's, just sounds like a meltdown. That's why I said it's it's yeah. a little bit scary. But <laughs> that sounds like a meltdown. I'll help you out here, Malik. So the Nets, Heat, and the Magic are all behind them. I would say the Magic have the easiest schedule, but they only have four games left. Um, so the Magic are going to have to probably win three of those four games. I'm thinking. Um, and then the Heat and the Nets have really tough schedules. Uh, I think the Heat have to play the Celtics, who are still vying for her home court against the Pacers. Um, And then they play, I believe, the Raptors and Sixers. Raptors might uh, 
rest some guys. They're still playing really good though. Sixers, with, yeah. yeah, they have a lot of depth, so they might just still play really well. So who knows what the Heat are gonna do? Um, I think they play the Sixers later too, which I don't know what the Sixers are gonna do. They might rest some guys. Um, and then the Nets also have a really tough schedule. They play uh, the Bucks and the Raptors. So it's not as tough, but it's still like top caliber teams could rest their players. So it's More kind of a question mark. Yeah. Uh, the Pistons are playing the Pacers and the Thunder. Big problem is that the Pacers are still trying to get home court in the playoffs. Thunder are trying to not play the Warriors, and they're, they're battling they're with the They're in panic mode, which means they could play great, but also means they could fall apart. Yeah. And uh, Paul George knows the Pistons pretty well. He's on that list of Piston killers. Yeah. He's a superstar. Yeah. But he's on that list along with... And then the Pistons play the Hornets, Grizzlies, and Knicks. Now, if you have to win two out of those five games, again, if my math is correct, uh, Grizzlies and Knicks should be wins. Hornets, I would Charlotte say, are... Should be a, Charlotte, Charlotte should be a win You would think home, so, but... At Ke- home. Okay, it's at home, so that's yeah. good, because I was going to say Kemba, Kemba is another Kemba's, one of those guys. But the rest of that team is not trustworthy. True. They don't have any big guys to really deal with the Pistons, which is nice. So, two out of those five games, it is scary, but I, I'm pretty sure it can be done. But that just secures it. Like I said, the other teams behind them play tough schedules. So if they lose any amount of games, it makes the gap bigger. So it kind of depends on everybody else. First of all, that uh, Hornets game, there's going to be juice in that building too because they're doing the 15th anniversary for the 04 team. So, you know, Ben, Chauncey, Rip, Tay, Sheet are all going to be there. It's going to be, it's a Sunday matinee game at four. It's going to be close to a sellout or as busy as it's going to be at LCA. There's going to be juice in that building. My biggest concern with the Pistons Blake Griffin. He sat the last two games with knee soreness. Last time we heard the terms knee soreness, Reggie Jackson turned into a shell of himself. Knees are never good in basketball. And Blake and Blake has, has yeah. Blake has had his best season as an NBA player this year. He's been as reliable as ever. Now are all those games starting to take a toll on him? He's the most used player in the NBA by usage rate uh, statistics. That's my biggest concern. I'm not concerned about the schedule. I'm concerned about Blake Griffin. If Blake's playing, I think they win three or four of these games. If he's not playing, I lean Looking one and a half. Looking at the draft lottery. <laughs> I'm, lo- I'm leaning around one and a half, two games. And uh, Dwayne Casey said today that Blake and Luke Kennard are still day-to-day. Blake with that left knee, Luke with that right foot. Uh, but there is some breaking news into the studio. I wish I had the breaking news sound effect. Okay, from now on, I'm pointing to Malik for breaking news sound effects. <laughs> I don't care what it is, but Malik's just going to make, make the sound. All right, breaking news into the studio. I already did it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, the Washington Wizards have fired their GM, Ernie Grunfeld. So they're moving on from him. Owner Ted Leones informed him today. So the Wizards will be looking for a new Head of basketball operations. The Wizards need to look for a new everything, yeah. including city, Seattle. Oh, uh, <laughs> boy. Oh, yeah. boy. Oh, the Wizards uniforms are clean, though. I, I don't care. The district? Yeah. The district. I kind of like those. I, we need a team in Seattle, though. That. But anyways, what's your first impression of that? I mean, the Wizards had a bad year. Could be because John Walsh just didn't, never was healthy. Beal had a great season. Where do the Wizards go with this? Well... I think you you had to let him go because all these years of them being a four seed, a five seed. You I get, mean, were they ever a four seed? I think they I always they underachieved. 
I think they were highest where they were maybe a four seed okay. one year. Maybe, maybe. But, but. S- several teams that could have won playoff series. You had John Wall and Bradley Beal. Marcin Gortat was playing really good. Nene was playing really good. You had teams that could have possibly made Eastern Conference Finals runs. and all, But at the same time, you never had serious, serious depth. So it's it's always been a team somewhat in the middle, a team good enough to make the playoffs and get to the second round. But besides those two superstars, you just have a few solid players and not a strong enough roster. So if you can't build around those two superstars and you can never get past the second round, a move has to be made. Whoever becomes a new GM, new head of basketball operations. They have a something a lot of stuff to deal with. A lot with. of stuff to deal with. Yeah. Because they can't I think for once in the NBA we might have an untradeable contract in John Wall. Just based on his injuries and the uh, the amount of money that dude is making. At one point he was the highest paid player in the NBA. And that, and that contract goes into effect, I believe, next season. Five years. Easily looked like he, looked like he added a little bit of weight last year. Coming off an injury, might be adding a little bit more weight. Joe, what do you do if you're Washington? Uh, you blow it up. Got to trade Bradley Beal. Yeah. Uh, you got to get rid of it all. They've already started. I mean, they got rid of Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre. That was surprising to me. Yeah. The Oubre one was a bad trade, and... Really bad trade, in my opinion. Yeah. Otto Porter, I wasn't as upset about because you get Bobby Portis, who I just don't think has gotten the chance. Yeah, I don't think he's gotten enough love, honestly. Because he, when he plays significant minutes, he seems to produce almost every night. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you just got to blow it up. I think you could get a first-round pick for Bradley Beal. Oh, 100%. Um, and I think they need to try to do that this offseason. Uh, the longer they wait... The worst it's going to be. There's a lot of teams that are looking to just get over that to that next level, and a lot of teams know that the Warriors are possibly uh, about to falter a little bit this offseason, most likely losing uh, Kevin Durant. So it makes people feel like everybody's got a chance, and that the NBA is wide open again. So everybody's trying to make their moves now, especially with LeBron missing the playoffs. So this is the perfect time for the Wizards to get rid of Bradley Beal, try to get as yeah. much as they can. LeBron left the East. Makes the East easier to go through, essentially. Wizards can make a couple savvy moves, and all of a sudden they're back on track. Just That's just how wide open the East is. I mean, you look at the bottom of the East. Pistons at 39 and 38. They're 60 right now. Orlando, of all teams, is still <laughs> fighting for the playoffs. Uh, and Charlotte hasn't been eliminated yet with five games remaining, and they're 35 and 42. Just everything is wide open with LeBron out West. KD's uncertainty, we're... I think we're pretty sure he's going to leave this summer. We don't know exactly where. Especially if they win. Yeah. I think even if they lose, he leaves too. It just seems like he's checked yeah. out. It seems like he's checked out. Um, We talked about the East playoff race. Let's break down the West playoff picture right now. It's pretty much solidified. Unfortunately, unfortunately, unfortunately our beloved Sacramento Kings have been eliminated. Uh, shout out to them to having a fantastic season. One of the best yeah. seasons they've had in a decade. Uh, led by De'Aaron Fox, who's going to be a factor in this league. If they can add another piece to the Kings over the offseason, a significant piece, this team is the playoff team next year. That should be a 7th or 8th seed. Yeah, I agree with that. Maybe not, maybe 45, 46 wins. I'm going to say De'Aaron Fox could be a top 5 point guard next year in the NBA. I'm not I'm going gonna, gonna to go as quick as next year. I'm extremely high on De'Aaron Fox. He, I still, I think, there's, there's still a few years of these veterans that are well, here's still the thing. playing at that level. De'Aaron Fox has a little bit 
of that Russ mentality to him that he is just going to kill everything he sees and just try to win every single play, every single matchup, every single defensive assignment. He's not as reckless as Russell. He's a better, I believe, playmaker than Russell or has the opportunity to be a better playmaker than Russell down the road. I just really like De'Aaron Fox. And I think the Kings I like got, him a, too. got a solid one. Um, but the playoff picture as of right now, the one seed is Golden State. Uh, they have a game lead over the two seed Denver Nuggets. Nuggets have a two and a half game lead over the three seed Portland Trailblazers, who still are hanging up there in the top four, which honestly, I think that's the biggest surprise to me. Um, I think we get surprised every regular season because they play so they, well. They, but... Yeah, they play so well at almost every season. Yeah. And then they falter in the first round of the playoffs. Um, and right, right now, the 3 6 matchup is the Trailblazers and the Clippers. I'd pick the Clippers to win that one. I would too. Um, but the four seed, which is tied with Portland right now, Portland has the tiebreaker, so that's why they're ahead. Is the Houston Rockets, who have been making that climb ever since the beginning of the year when they faltered. Five seed is the Utah Jazz, who again started the season off slowly, got themselves back up. Donovan Mitchell playing fantastic, should have been a piston. Uh, and they have a half game lead over the six seed LA Clippers. Clippers are another surprise. They're 16 games over 500. If I told you that at the beginning of the year, would you believe me? I don't think anybody. Probably not 16, no. no. I think they in I the Western they, Conference. I think they would have been a little bit over five hundred, maybe, but I, I wouldn't have seen this at all. Do you think this is one of Doc Rivers' best coaching jobs? Yeah, easily. Yeah, what he did in so. Boston, he he was given everything he needed to win a championship immediately. This right here, and when he first came to LA, had a lot of talent. Exactly, but yeah, this is this is something different. He's he's just taking guys that all these players want to prove why they're NBA players, and they want to prove that they're winners. And Doc Rivers is a good enough coach to take that talent that they have and just, yeah, make them better than what everybody thinks they are. And, and then, L.A. Lakers, you should be ashamed of yourself for giving up Zubach. <laughs> he's, he's the center of the future for the Clippers. That was a terrible trade. Yeah. And then uh, seven seed, the Spurs, in the playoffs yet again. I don't think any of us picked. Did we? I know I didn't pick him to make the playoffs this year. Joe, I picked DeMar DeRozan to go on a tear. I figured. I think you the picked playoffs. the Spurs. I think Joey, you were with me in not picking the Spurs to make the playoffs this year. Uh, no, I picked the Spurs. Oh, never mind. I'm alone on that one. Uh, and then OKC is the eighth seed currently. Those two are tied for the seven eight seed, so there could be a lot of movement in there in the next five games. All in all, I'd say there's some movement within the three to six seed in the West and the eight and six seed in the West as well. Uh, anything else you guys want to touch on before we talk tournament? I think if if OKC doesn't get past the first round this year, I think Billy Donovan has to go. Ooh, that's a, I th- that's I a think, toxic take there. I think it would be best for him to go back to college where that's his element. He's When he's in college, he won back-to-back national championships, which isn't an easy thing to do in college. He's a great college coach. There are a lot of college coaches that have gone to the NBA have been all right. He's been a solid coach. He's just He's had Russell Westbrook, and Russell will carry you to the playoffs a lot of times just through his will but Paul George goes out for a little bit and they just fall off completely Paul George is back now and it seems like they still don't have the rhythm they used to have and they don't have a lot of momentum going into the playoffs so blame has to fall on somebody that's how the NBA goes I don't think Billy Donovan has a lot of time left Joe anything you want to talk talk about before we move to the tournament nope all right Fred uh, Fred Hoiberg Going to, oh, yeah, Nebraska. going to Nebraska. I think that's a 
excellent move for Nebraska. I think it's an excellent move for Fred yeah. Hoiberg. Really good. I mean, he is a prototypical yeah. college basketball exactly. coach. Exactly. He helped to build up the Iowa State program to where it's consistently good now because he he built it up to it being really good and left a he cemented a legacy for that program. So I'm him not, going to Nebraska where Tim Miles had some really good years there. He can do an even better job and shock people in a few years at Nebraska. And he got paid a good amount of money too to exactly. go there. Uh, so shout out Fred Hoiberg getting back in the college game. We knew he was going to do it. We knew he was done with Eventually. the NBA. We just, he just had to find the right spot. Um, let's jump into the tournament. We had a heck of a weekend. Uh, Sweet 16, Duke beat Virginia Tech by two. Okay, can we stop real quick? What? Uh, yeah. Malik, please. Oh. Did Virginia Tech choke that game? Can you finally agree with us? Because I know Chris thinks that Virginia Tech choked. The dude that missed the shot choked it. The dude that missed that shot choked it. They also missed a three. And they teams also missed, missed threes. another shot. Teams missed had, threes. Teams missed free throws. They had three chances in the last 30 seconds. And they choked. Although, Ahmed. Is every team that's lost a close game to Duke choked? Every single although one. Although the same guy that missed UCF the layup. Every single one. The same UCF guy did. that missed the layup missed a three previously. He airballed the three. The Louisville game is a choke. That is a choke. You build a 20-plus point lead, and you give it up in the last six or seven minutes of a game. I'm so, if it's competitive all the way throughout and you just can't make a few plays in the end, that's not an embarrassing choke. You know, I saw, I saw a meme on Instagram. There are always close games where a team prevails and one team can't do what it takes to get it in the very end. Now, it was a, the video of Hill missing that, that alley-oop at the end of the game. First Duke, and it said, um, "This guy has never played twenty-one with tips, and it shows." Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no touch whatsoever. It, it, I don't know what he was thinking. It's like he didn't throw the ball at the. He just he caught it and then just let it go. He acted like they never put time back on the clock because originally they only had point six, and then they put it up to like one point two or something. If you have a full second, you can grab the ball and yeah, touch it. It, in it was and, it was weird, and he weird. could jump. Like, I don't know why. He was up there. <laughs> he, like, pan- I don't know if he panicked or what. Moment was too big. Maybe his hands were too sweaty. He Man, just that was. Maybe he had some popcorn at halftime. It. it lasted that long. Butterfingers? <laughs> he did airball the previous three. Ooh. That was bad. Anyway. All right, popcorn gate. Popcorn <laughs> okay. gate. Let's leave that one. That's popcorn a, gate. I'm talking a, about it. It's a terrible take. Let's just move on to I'm the other 16 wasn't super exciting. Uh, uh, there were some blowouts. Took, yeah, MSU took care of business. Gonzaga took care of business. Texas Tech looks fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Michigan Kentucky also took care of business. Really bad. Yeah. Biggest shock was North Carolina just getting demolished. Ninety-seven right, yeah. to eighty by Auburn. Auburn is they're so hot right I'm now. I'm so it's, ready for Charles Barkley man. in Minneapolis. Oh my this weekend. That's the that most guy's, exciting thing. That is the mo- exactly. That's why I've been rooting for Auburn secretly after they knocked out the team I picked to win. Yeah. I want to see Charles Barkley just be a fool. Yeah. Shout out Charles. Um and then Virginia beat Purdue 80 to 75 in a fa- in a crazy game. One of the game best of the one of the best shootouts in NCAA tournament and history. And some somehow I know we don't talk about sports betting and all that on the show and all those, but how Virginia covered the four and a half point spread in overtime in a game they had no business being in. That's if you bet on that game, you guys, I mean, I feel for you. You you should not have to go to work this week. That's just how it is. Um, but then moving on to the Final Four, like we said, Virginia, yeah, Virginia is in the uh, Final Four after they beat 
Purdue 80 to 75 in the game of the tournament. Carson Edwards, we talked about this in the pre-show meeting. Dude's been fantastic. Uh, Joey talked about not buying into the hype of Carson Edwards. Maybe he's just having that tournament streak that, or is that you, Malik? They saw, thought we're talking about that. Um, no, I've I've been we both kind of I've been it. all in on Carson Edwards since I saw him play as a freshman at Purdue. I knew he was different, but he locked into a different gear near the end of last year and going into this season. And no, I knew he had these in him, and he knew he had to be the guy. I mean, he is exactly. not shy to shoot the ball and take every shot. If you if you don't almost foul him, he has the green light, and he you can, know he, wants he can to- hit a shot. Yeah, yeah. And he was going to shoot that last shot at the end of the game, no matter what. Yeah, he passed the ball, but he knew he was getting it right back. Otherwise, he went to pass it. That's just the Carson Edwards mentality in this tournament. Um, we actually have to finally give credit to uh, Garrett for picking Purdue. You know, he was wrong about the Big Ten tournament, but he did pick them to go pretty far in the, yeah. ter- in the big tournament. So, uh, and he was talking about... Credit to Garrett. Credit to Garrett, too. Carson Edwards said he was the best player in the Big Ten. I think we have to agree. Michigan State has an All-American. They do, and they're doing very well. But I will say Carson Edwards has shown... He's definitely the flashier player, for sure. Yeah. Um, then there's Auburn versus Kentucky. Again, Auburn made it to the final four. We talked about because Charles Barkley, uh, Kentucky kept it close. That was a good game. Uh, Texas tech knocking off Gonzaga. Did you guys see that one coming? I know. Were you guys high on Gonzaga? I picked Gonzaga to win it all. Yeah. 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 Texas tech. They're, they're a really impressive team. They showed up for the big 12. I picked Texas tech. I just, I just, it wasn't like. You know, I, I felt like they were the better team necessarily, but I just it's one of those gut feelings where I just feel like they're kind of on a roll, and uh, a defensive team like that can always stop big offensive teams, and then they don't know what to do. All right. Final four matchups. Let's break them down. Let's start with Virginia versus Auburn. Scheduled to take place Saturday, April 6th. It's the first game of the night of the final four. Starts at 6.09 p.m. Joey, I know you're saying you're picking Virginia because that's a team in your bracket. Does Auburn scare you at all? Oh, yeah, for sure. They beat Kansas, North Carolina, and Kentucky to get to this Final Four. That is quite the repertoire for a tournament. They have a very underrated coach in Bruce Pearl. I don't think he gets enough love these days. Yeah. But it's it's because of specific reasons right. that we won't no, go I, into. I know, I know, understand. Oh, we can go into it, Malik, if you want to. <laughs> I do understand. Dirt. That's all we'll say. Um, <laughs> Dirt. However, he's gotten past that. He's a great coach. Gets those guys to work hard every night. Jerry and Harper is one of the most underrated point guards in the country. That guy is so fast, and he can yeah. get to the basket at will. Yeah, and he showed that in Kentucky. Um, it's a really cool matchup because Virginia is one of the best. Uh, three-point def- defensive teams. They stop three-pointers. Auburn is very reliant on the three-pointer. They also oh, like yeah. to get out in transition. Virginia is one of the better uh, transition defenses in the country. So that matchup there in that sense is going to be really exciting. And again, it's going to come down to guard play. Uh, Harper and Bryce Brown had 50 of their 77 points in their last game. Those guys were electric. And Virginia has some of the best guards as well. Uh, Ty Jerome is super good. Kyle Guy has had some games. Uh, DeAndre Hunter's had his games. And I think both of these Final Four matchups are pretty exciting the way that the teams kind of mirror each other or are very similar. I think the speed at which Auburn plays, I don't think Virginia's seen that so far this season out of any team they've played. I think out of the gun, Auburn is just going to get on them. And if 
Virginia, if they don't hit shots from the beginning, Auburn could – this could be a blowout. Because I, I think Auburn, they are so confident right now. And I think Virginia has shown – they kind of – I hate to use this term because they've made it all the way to the Final Four. but for, they've, they've shown vulnerability. They've shown yeah. vulnerability. I, I, I'm going to say they limped to the Final Four. This is exactly what me and Malik talked about the pre-show before you even got here. Me and Malik were talking about how everybody is still on oh, yeah. Virginia. When Virginia back. wins the national championship, everybody will still be like, They eh. limped to the national. <laughs> they didn't have to face Duke. In no, the no, no, no. Here's the thing. They lost to UMBC. That's all that matters. I think, oh, no, I think Auburn is going to be the toughest team that they face until the championship game. That's fair and to that, say. I mean, I mean, Virginia should have lost. Mm, however, that's should also. Should I say should have? Very there was a, there was a great chance Purdue. that they were going to lose that game. But very it, close, but it's March. Yeah. But it's March. That's true. They but almost the, lost to Oregon. The tournament does. Seed. The tournament does typically <clears throat> typically get harder as you go farther. Is that true? That's usually yeah. how it works. Huh. Um, <laughs> but I just feel like people just keep doubting them, and they they are it's Virginia. They have nothing on their they they are just getting by. But and that's exactly what they it, want you to say. But in the end, they're winning. And what they win in the regular season, they're not that talented. It doesn't matter yeah. how you win; it's that you win. It's all about the W. When Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy shoot the lights out and play smart basketball like they do, the MVP of their team is Kihei Clark. I think that needs to be said because if it wasn't for him coming off the bench and playing the point guard position like he does, they don't have another guy to balance out their system like him. And without Kihei Clark, they wouldn't have won that game. I don't know if Ty Jerome makes that pass to Diakite to hit that buzzer beater and go into overtime. He, he was completely calm, made that pass without any doubt in his mind. He's only 5'9", 165 pounds. Great defender, too. So he's, he's the X factor for that team. He really is. I just think, you know, Virginia losing to a 16 seed last year. And, you know, they've, they've faltered a lot in tournaments where they barely they can't even make the Sweet 16, and they're always like a number one seed that fails, usually the first number one seed out. And now they're the only one seed left. I just, there just seems to be something in the water, you know. And Joe loves this. Because, <laughs> However, because Joe has been because Joe has been talking about Virginia winning it all this year since before the tournament started. Ralph Sampson does that every game. And this is meant to Joey be. is just living in this glory glorious state right now because he has the possibility to have all the bragging rights heading into so, the next year. Have you tournament. seen how True. calm and collected Tony Bennett is on that sideline? Yeah. Man never sweats. I've <laughs> however, never seen him sweat, even when they lost last year. However, I will say that if Auburn does win this game, I, I think I'm with Chris. I want Auburn to win the championship. I, at this point, I want Auburn to win it. I think there, there's a great chance they win this game. I was just there's gonna a ask really you. good chance. Just gonna ask you. I like both these matchups. I don't. I think mm. I'm biased. Don't ask me. So Joe's got Virginia. I'm taking Auburn. I do I'm think it's Auburn. close. I do think it's close. Every almost games are close. In March. I mean, right. it's going to be close for some period of time, whether a team separates itself in the final few minutes due to free throws, you never know, but it's more than likely going to be close. Yeah, I'm taking Auburn, too. Auburn Would, still yeah. doesn't have Chuma Okiki, though. Can you say that they one more time for me? Chuma Okiki. Yeah. Nice. They I don't, the but first time. didn't matter last game. They just kept rolling. But that's, that's the Kyle Aaron syndrome. You know, you get one game of, you know, Oh, he comes out to the bench. Plus, there's the factor of let's win it for Chuma. Right. Now, yeah. now Can he's... Can we start <laughs> hashtag win it, for, win it for Chuma? Now it's really <laughs> settled in that they don't have him. I don't expect Jared Harper and Bryce Brown to score 50 of their points again. It could happen. 
I just don't expect it with Virginia, the way they play defense. Michigan State, Texas Tech, 849 game on April 6th. Break it down for me, Joe. This is going to be another good one. Uh, Texas Tech has said it multiple times. Chris Beard has said it multiple times. Izzo is his idol. He plays very similar. He likes his team. He's said on multiple accounts that he wants Tom Izzo rebounding to his team. That's that's how he tells his team to rebound. They watched a lot of Michigan State basketball. Chris Beard knows the ins and outs of his offense and how Michigan State works, and he runs Texas Tech similar to that. Um, they're a more defensive-oriented team than Michigan State. Michigan State, I would say, slightly to the offensive side, but they're very well balanced, both of these teams. Texas Tech may have a little bit more struggles finding offense, but as Malik pointed out um, in the Michigan game when we kind of said the same thing, they do have guys that they can go to to knock down shots. Jared Culver is... He's a pro. He's a, he's a lottery He's player. incredible. So that matchup right there with him and Cassius Winston, both very calm, collected guys, that'll be exciting. Um, Does Aaron Henry guard Jared Culver? I would assume so. Because that, that matchup is going to be... Very interesting. I will yeah, say, I didn't know much of Jarrett Culver heading into the tournament. Because I would that feel dude. like Cassius may struggle with Jarrett Culver. Oh, wait, uh, is Texas Tech going to let their point guard guard Cassius? Because in that right. case, I think Cassius is going to hit six or seven. Right. That, that's the that's yeah. kind of the... There's going to be a lot of cross-matching. Give yeah. and take. going to be uh, a lot of cross-matching. Right. So it'll be interesting in that fact. But, again, the X factor going to be Kenny Goings. If he can keep up what he did in the last game... I think Tariq Owens might be the per- the that's, perfect match defensively. That's to the thing stop I was going to say. Tariq Owens is a monster on the defensive end. Long and, and athletic. Scary. Yeah. Um again though, he he's very similar to a Xavier Tillman. Probably a little more jumpy than Xavier Tillman. Uh a little more lankier too. Xavier's a but, bigger body. But he holds down the paint. Right. Yeah. Um so another interesting part to this matchup. I think it's going to be really a really fun game. And that's why I said I like both of these final four matchups that we have. Michigan State or Texas Tech? Here, before you say anything, answer this question with your head and not your heart. There's a simple way right. to pick this game to me. Here, let's let give Joey the. I want Joey's answer before you go into that, Malik. Well, what were you gonna say though? I just told you, pick with your. Oh, you just want me to pick yeah, with my head instead of my heart? Because I know your heart just says MSU, so I want you to give a logical reasoning for the people. I I honestly think. That Texas Tech might win this game. So you're picking Texas Tech? Yeah. And only because, I mean, granted, you could have said the same thing about Duke, that, uh, you know, how is Cassius Winston going to play against Trey Jones? He's one of the best defensive point guards in the league, and that he would stop him. Cassius finishes with 20 and 10. I just feel the way that Texas Tech runs their defense and how they're so defensive-oriented that it could throw Cassius a little bit off. And it's something that he's never really seen, I don't think, the way that they play defense. And with Tariq Owens in the paint, I don't think he'll be able to get to the basket necessarily as easily. Again, he's one of those guys that figures it out. He Somehow he gets there, so he might have no problem. Um, but that's just my fear. And then, again, Kenny Goings being the key guy, and like Malik said, they'll probably have Tariq Owens on him. And I feel like he might shut Kenny Goings down. And that's a little bit spooky. The only bright side to that is that it pulls Tariq Owens out of the paint. Yeah. But I just have a bad feeling that Texas Tech could win this game. Malik? 
most of the times when you have equally tough teams, it comes down to who's the team with the pro or the most pros. But Michigan State just beat a team with three lottery picks. Three top, so, yeah. three top eight picks in the next So round? that philosophy goes out of the window completely. I feel like Michigan State should win this game. But like Joey said, this this Texas Tech team is, is a team that they haven't seen. They haven't seen anything like it all season. Texas Tech has thrown every team that they've played out of their element. Exactly. They they made Michigan they play made their worst completely of the uncomfortable. season. Gonzaga played their like third and second worst percentages of their entire season. They just throw teams off. Is that step one is make you uncomfortable, and then step two is punch we you get in the a, gut. We, yeah, and then when their shots when their shots start falling because they have shot makers on the bench and in their starting five. That's when it starts to get ugly because when you're out of your element and they're going at the same time, there's almost no way to gain momentum again. I just have a feeling Michigan State is going to win it somehow. They're on Tom, 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 Izzo's, Tom Izzo's pulling these games They do out, have man. kind of that magic going for them yeah. right now. Tom Izzo, he's figuring out a way, and his players are playing the best basketball they'll probably ever play in their life. I also don't think that Michigan State's going to necessarily buy into their win against Duke. I think Tom Izzo is going to do a really good job of making sure that they're I, mentally ready. That, I think, sorry to cut you off, but I think no, there's good. some teams, some MSU teams in the past that would have been like, oh yeah, we beat Duke, we can beat anybody and kind of get over their heads. Not this team. This team has had a chip ever since February. A chip that keeps them going. There's, like Malik said, there's something about this team. Texas Tech does scare me, but I'm going to say the Spartans. I'm picking the Spartans. And I, I think it goes back to Cassius. Like he has been very calm and collected this entire tournament, and that that's been super impressive to me. Yeah, I feel like if they get down, they're just going to be calm. Matt McQuaid will hit a three. Cassius Winston will go on a little run, and then it'll just be back to a regular game. Like they they figured out ways all season, and then they, their freshmen have been coming off the bench and making even more plays. So they yeah they just. Like I said, they just figure out ways to get it done. Well, according to us, it's going to be MSU versus Auburn. I mean, we'll find out next week what it ends up being. Going against both my picks. Both <laughs> your picks. But that'll do it for the show this week. Views from the sideline, April 2nd. Chris Pappas, Joey Tysick, Malik Hill. We'll see you guys next week for a recap of March Madness and the National Championship. See you guys next time. Bye. Let's hope things don't get too spooky for the Pistons. This could be an ugly way to end the season. Go Pistons. Uh